Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. The whole world is under a spell, it seems. And at the same time, I believe that the Lord is setting up a worldwide altar call. Um, I believe God's altar call is, is building all around the world. Um, today, I want to share a message that's very clear. might not be very popular, but it's very clear. Um, I sat in growth track and we did, a, we did a, an inventory of our personality type. And my personality, uh, people that are like my personality celebrity-wise is everybody from uh, Dr. Seuss to Mark Twain to Bob Dylan and Bill Cosby and, and uh, 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 what's her name? Sandra Bullock and uh, all over the map. And I, I can be all over the map too, but... Here's who I am. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. A 17-year-old kid that the Lord touched, and I sat on my bed in my room of my house and had my Bible, and I was reading it because I'd been raised up from the dead of my sin. And, and the, I said to the Lord, if you'll help me understand this, I'll, I'll tell everybody what you tell me. And that started a a time of God pouring like Niagara Falls into this little Dixie cup of a kid. And uh, I just want to be faithful to tell you what he tells me. Two years back, I had a moment with God as the pandemic began to wreak havoc in our world, in our town, and we had to shut down. And we had to shift and go to videotaping over our services for a while. And anyway, during that time, I was deeply moved because I got very concerned about our church not being connected and about people straying off and about the things that were going on in the world. And, and I remember sitting in my room at, at my house and I was reminded, I was praying, I was reminded of a scene in the movie Pearl Harbor. It starred Ben Affleck and all that other guy, I forget his name. And there's this scene where they're, they're two fighter pilots and they're on layover in Pearl Harbor and, and they, they had been out and they, they ran into each other and they got into a fight. It was a drunken brawl. They were best buddies since childhood and they got in a fight over a woman. And uh, after they fought and they, uh, they, they got in a car and they drove away from because the cops were going to catch them. It's always good to do to try to drive away when the cops are going to try. And uh, they wake up in the morning to the sound of bombs exploding in Pearl Harbor. And Rafe says to Danny, he says, Danny, get me to a plane. Because he's a fighter pilot. And he knows that he might not be able to stop what's going on, but he can do his part. And that, I remember the first time I saw that in the movie theater, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you always have to stay in your plane. And uh, two years ago, I remember just getting on my knees after that came back to me and I said, God, I just want to get in my plane and not, and not lose sight of what that is. And guys, this is my plane. 
And we're in a time in the world where if you're a kingdom person, whatever your plane is, get in it and turn up the notch. You need to get in your plane. I want to explain this series which began last week uh, called The Bible Tells Me So. Basically, it's this. Jesus took the disciples after he rose from the dead on a Bible tour from Moses' writings that started in Genesis and go through Deuteronomy to the prophets and the Psalms and showed them that everything that happened in his life was foretold centuries before. And as we said last week, Jesus is the sum total of explanation of all that the Bible is about. And the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it actually says that the testimony of Jesus is the true spirit of all prophecy. And so, in this series, what we're going to do, what we have done, and what we're going to do today and all the way up into Easter... We're going to let the light shine on the shadows of the scriptures, starting in Moses' writing, and look there and look at the prophets and the Psalms as it points to Jesus, the way to the cross. That's where we're going. So today, we're going to go to Genesis uh, chapter 2 and 3 in a minute, but we're going to start in Galatians 3. And I want to preach a message today called, The Cross Breaks the Curse. So... Before we go to Genesis, let's go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, the book of Galatians, is a letter Paul wrote to the Galatian Christians, and it was not Bible. It was not Scripture. It was a letter to believers in Asia Minor, way far away from Jerusalem and what took place there. But in the letter, Paul reverts and points to Scripture, the Old Testament places that prove what he is saying is true. That the cross breaks the curse. Now here's a group of people known as the Galatian believers. And they had heard the message of Jesus all about him. And they believed it. And because they believed it, God sent the power of that message and the person of the Holy Spirit. And actually came into their lives, changed their lives, and released healings and miracles in their midst. And there was such a joy of salvation bubbling forth in that church that it was remembered by Paul. And so he's writing a letter to them because all that stopped. It got hindered. Because false teachers came in on the heels of Paul who took the Old Testament scriptures to proof text and out of context, leaving Jesus out of the center, and told those believers who had the joy of the Lord and the power of the Spirit, miracles happening, that they had to get circumcised if they were men, and they had to come under the yoke of keeping the dietary laws and the feast days and the Sabbath rituals. And Paul wrote and said, That is not the gospel. And whoever preaches that is under a curse. Wow. And then Paul, in this passage, describes the spell. He says, You foolish Galatians, Galatians 3, Who has cast a spell on you before whose very eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? In other words, it was the word is storyboard there for public. It would be like saying like Adiah did a couple weeks ago, got up and, and, and painted the picture of Jesus on the cross. And because of that picture, the power of the message changed your lives, not because of you earning it or you adhering to rules and requirements. That changed you. But what's happened to you? Now you're under a spell. And he says, Christ broke you free, redeemed you from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And then he quotes a scripture, the only Bible they had, the only testament, Genesis to Malachi and Deuteronomy that says, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. 
The cross breaks the curse. There was a song in 1956. Now, I don't know if any of you saw, but I kissed the lady that walked in here. Then before you start to think, that was my aunt. <laughs> and uh, my Aunt Carolyn's right down here. And I'm sure she knows this song. Uh, she has the best record collection of anybody I've ever known. And I used to borrow some of those records from time to time. I still have them. <laughs> but Screaming Jay Hawkins wrote a song on the top 500 rock and roll. I put a spell on you. Uh, Disney in Hocus Pocus uses that song. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a great child movie, Disney, about, about nice witches. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to be a friend of a witch, I hope it's a nice one. No, I don't want to be a friend of a And the song says, I'll put a spell on you and now you're mine. You can't stop the things I'm going to do. And I'm not lying. I've been 300 years right down to the day. Now the witch is back and there's hell to pay. And I tossed around the idea whether I should sing a little bit of, I'm going to spell on you. Now I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't because people already don't think I'm very spiritual here. And uh, so I was bored on Thursday night and I turned on Netflix to find a movie, some random movie. I saw this actress that I like uh, and I watched it. And uh, the very first song is it starts and she's walking down the street in the background. I put a spell on you. And I thought, wait a second. I must have ESPN or something. I want to talk about something more serious than that. And I tried to lighten it up because it, that's the last light moment we're going to have today. I want to talk about spells and the curse. But I want to remind you through this message, the cross breaks the curse. It started in a garden with a serpent's seduction. In Genesis, it says the serpent, which Satan is always in the background. And Satan animated this creature in the garden of God, where the man and the woman were, under full dominion and joy, and, and life like we've never known, we've never tasted, and never will until the kingdom. Never. We've never known the kind of life Adam and Eve had. But the serpent, Satan, was more cunning than all the wild animals. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? Well, that's not what God said. And the woman said, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, that's not what God called that tree. God said, you must not eat it or touch it. Or you're... That's not what God said. But he did say you will die. And so the serpent said, No, you will certainly not die. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God is holding back on you. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took its fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband. Being a good husband he was, he did what she did. In full view. And ate it too. And as soon as they did, part of what Satan said was true. Because he always sells his lies with partial truth. And their eyes were opened. But not in the way he promised. 
And they realized they were naked and so they covered themselves up or tried to and the world's been trying to do that ever since. So fig leaves to cover themselves and the Lord comes down and meets them, calls them out about it, calls them back to himself, says to the serpent, because you did this, you are cursed. And then he said to Adam, because you listened to your wife on this and Eve, because here's how the curse is going to be released on you. And the earth is cursed. The whole world is cursed. And you know, if you read Genesis, within six generations, within six generations, God's heart is filled with pain because in six generations, that curse has so dominated that every inclination in the heart of man was evil and it broke God's heart. People under the curse still break God's heart. And that spell is on the whole world. When the Apostle Paul writes the Roman believers who are living in the Roman Empire, which is no longer a republic, it's now been transformed into an imperial cult where Caesar is God. And Rome is in a downward spiral, just like Egypt had, and Assyria had been, and Babylon, and Israel, and now Rome. And he describes in Romans 1 what the spell does as the spell continues to be spelled out in descending, decaying spirals. And when you get to this place, your empire is nearly over. Though they knew God, we're going all the way back to Genesis, though they knew God, They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became, which means it wasn't, became worthless. And and their foolish hearts were darkened. And while they have worthless thinking and dark hearts, they claim to be wise. And for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful, meaning grace had been there and they saw light and knew his glory but chose to push it away, suppress it away. And so God, here's what the wrath of God is. It's not that he does something to you. He allows you, he allows you to go your own way. And when you go your own way, and why not? Fleetwood Mac told us we could. When you go your own way, you're under the curse. God didn't send the curse. God didn't send the curse. And what does the empire look like when the spiral has reached almost rock bottom? This. Their women exchanged natural. Now natural means the way nature has been created. And what is created came from a creator. So in the beginning, when God created nature, it was to work based off the the precision of the great, majestic, benevolent God. But when you get under the curse, because you want to be God, then the spiral never ends. And at the end of the empire of Rome, women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. 
Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Man, it was messed up back then. You'd almost think you're reading the newspaper, wouldn't you? Paul wrote to a culture where homosexuality was accepted as a part of life for men and women. And for some 200 years, the men who even ruled the Roman Empire openly practiced homosexuality and often with young boys. As a matter of fact, homosexual prostitution was legalized and a legal holiday was granted to homosexual prostitutes. Legal marriage between same-gender couples was recognized, and even the emperors got involved. When Paul wrote those verses, Nero was emperor, and he took a boy named Sporus and married him under full ceremony and called that boy his wife. And later, Nero lived with another man, and Nero called him himself the wife. He was the emperor of Rome. It's not the mercy of the Lord that allows people to believe what they want. It's the judgment of God that allows people to believe what they want. In the book of Romans, Paul uses two words to define sin. Harmatia is one, which means to miss the mark. Which means even if you want to hit the mark, even if you are a Jew, even if you're a Bible believer, and what the Bible says, and you want to hit the mark, Paul says we've all harmatiaed. We've all missed the mark. Because there's a part of us that's broken. And even if with good intentions we want to hit the mark, nobody hits the mark. But then there is another word for sin that Paul uses, and it's the word asebia. And it, 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 it means to not only miss the mark, but you're not even wanting to hit the mark. You've defined your own mark, thank you very much, and it doesn't even matter what God says about it. You're going to make your own mark. As a matter of fact, you're the mark. And in Romans 5, it says that God loved the asebia people, that he died for them. While they were Asebia-ing. You know why? Because God loves the people who don't know why they do what they do. And he wants to break the curse off their life. And somebody has to tell them that. And in our generation to tell them that. You will not be asked to be on a talk show in the afternoon. You won't. And we've got some decisions to make, Christians. To never get out from under the spout of deep mercy and humility and kindness and meekness and gentleness. But also... Commit to stand for the truth of what God said, even if they cut your head off and serve it to a queen on a plate. 
Did you hear what I said? Why? Because if we don't, the people who are under a curse don't know it. And this isn't the worst of it. There is a day coming. And before we think that there is a certain segment of society that is the society, the people that need to get the light, Paul goes on to say in the next verse, all of us outside of the grace and the cross of Jesus, filled with unrighteousness, evil, greed. Now, feel free to shout him hallelujah if you can turn the music. Maybe I should preach this with that cool Justin Timberlake music that was going on a minute ago or whatever. Make me a background. I love that, but now I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to pop the balloons of the party any second. Here we are. Full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. This is what it was like during the time of Rome. They, aren't you, don't you wish they were here today? Don't you wish that, man, we're, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, Twitter-twitters. Oh, that's not, arrogant, proud, this, he's describing Twitter right here. Arrogant, boastful. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know that that's, give applause to those who practice. That's what it's like to live under the curse. In contrast to that, God had created Adam and Eve and he said, listen, you're free to eat from any tree. You're free to call an animal whatever you want to call it. You don't have to ask my permission. You don't have to pray about it. If camel pops in your mind, call it camel, man. You have the dominion. And Adam... I don't like you being alone. I'm going to put you to sleep. And boy, when you wake up, I'm going to send somebody your way. And she comes his way and he says, whoa, man. Whoa. That's bone of my bone and flesh of my... Bye, mom and dad. Right? That's right. Be fruitful. Multiply. Have dominion over the fish, the birds. Man, this is ours. This is my garden. It's your garden. I want you to reign as a king and your wife as a queen and raise up princes and princesses. This is ours. Let's do this. But there's one thing. And Satan hates liberty. And he hates the image of God. And he's a desolator and he's a desecrator. And he says, he thinks, how can I get the portal open? How can I get the portal open? And so he comes and he says, Did God really say? Because he has no power until we get in agreement with him. None. None. And the serpent seduced and defiled and defamed and destroyed and brought the abomination of desolation into the world. That's what the curse is. And so when we think it's just my nature, and we think I was just born, and we think, you know why we think that? You know why I think it? It's not to put anybody down. It's not to condemn. It's because when you're born under a curse, you just think the curse is natural. And the fruit of sin reveals a psychologic spell. 
In the book of Ephesians, where we've been and where we're going back to, in the fourth chapter, in the metaphors of Ephesians, Paul is beginning to shift from the body metaphor of us being the image of the body of Jesus on earth to the bride metaphor. Before the Lord comes back, he is calling a people out of darkness, out of being in love with the world. The last day's beast, the, 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 the image of the woman will have on her forehead, I give birth to prostitutes and abominations. In comparison to those who have the mind of Christ. See that? So, the only way to get the mind of Christ is to have the cross break the spell. <laughs> but why does anybody need the cross if we're all just good and okay and nice? Because only in a revelation of the holy character of God will a nice person realize, I am undone. Every person outside of the cross, every person that's not living in the Spirit, and even Christians who begin to sway and look back to Egypt and listen to the other voice say, did God really say? The logic of the way their psyche is begins to change. And Paul describes why people think what they think is okay. Here it is. This I say and testify in the Lord. In other words, I don't just say this. Jesus would say this. You, Christians, should no longer walk as the non-believers do. How do they walk? In the futility of the way they think. Where did it come from? They have a dark understanding. That's not talking about intellect. That's not talking about your GPA. That's not talking about your accomplishments on the wall of the degrees you have. That's talking about when it comes to navigating life on the principles of, the, of God and the way God thinks and what God wants, you're in the dark. And you're not in the dark by accident. You're in the dark by choice. And when you're in the dark by choice, you're excluded from the life of God. Why? Because the ignorance then you, where did it come from? Because somewhere back when you had light, you hardened toward it. And it affected you. And your conscience bothered you. But in a world today, friend, baby, listen, you've got... I'm not trying to be a mocking, but it's real, guys. It's real. Let's get real, you know. In here, it's, in here, it's you know, out there, in the real world, here it is. Whatever your truth is, baby, whatever your truth is, whatever your truth is, you're listening to a serpent. You can't discern serpent talk when you're in covenant with him. But you start breaking your agreements with him and you'll see his hand trying to draw. You'll see vultures when you don't want them to eat you. So you become callous and you give yourself over to promiscuity of all kinds, every kind, and a desire for more and more because when you do, you do, and 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 you want to do, and whatever you feed grows. But then he puts this in there, listen, Christians of America, but that is not how you came to know Christ. In other words, Paul said, I didn't disciple you that way. Now in today's world... I don't know where you came from. I have people that come up to me in this church and say, I went to a church for 30 years. I never heard anybody preach what you're preaching. And I'm thinking to myself, and I don't know who that was. 
But if you're watching, what are you doing? Assuming, and you have to now, you heard of him and were taught about the truth is in Jesus. Well, what is the truth in Jesus? Here's what Jesus would say to us. Take off your former way of life. The old self, which is what? It's corrupted by desires that are deceitful. Because when you're under the curse and under a spell, you think your desires are right. And the only way to know is to have another plumb line, some other kind of revelation, God's word on a thing to be spoken to you. And we're in a time right now where some of those things, there is a deal being made with people that stand right here, right here, to pour water on it, to back down, back off, build another tower into heaven. And Jesus would say, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on a new self. What's the new Christian? What does God make Christians to look like? Righteousness and purity in the truth. Now, what we just read about these spirals is a description of hell. Satan wanted to unleash hell in the world. That's what he did. He knew there was no dimension that he had. He had no ground. Unless he could get God's image to agree with his lies. And he did. And that's the spell. The spell brings hell and spreads hell. It makes a person praise hell and raise hell until they go to hell. I'll say it again. There is a spell that brings hell and spreads hell and makes a person praise hell. They don't think they're praising hell. And raise hell until they go to hell. Unless they hear about a cross that can break the spell. Spells are only broken by a seed and a cross. In that garden, the king of the universe, God himself said to the serpent, I am going to put enmity or hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, between your seed and her seed. And he, so he says, out of all of the women that come from Eve, there will be a lineage that will eventually come to one he. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Here's what I love about that. In other words, he said, my seed devil will violently shatter your dominion and your deception and break your spell. Thank you, Jesus. And in that act, you will bruise his heel. But you know why it'll be the heel? Because his foot will be on your head. Yes. And that's the gospel. The first gospel message was in Genesis chapter 3. And so God begins a saving mission by choosing one man, Abram. 
of Ur of the Chaldees and he's a, he's a descendant of Noah. And he says to him, come with me. Leave this world system. Leave the idols. Leave it all. Come with me. Just trust my word. I have a land for you. I have a promise. Just come with me. And Abraham said, I will. And for obeying the voice, God credited your right with me-ness. That's what righteousness is. You know what righteousness is? Whatever God says it is. If God said bald people are righteous, that's what righteousness would mean. Because whatever God declares, that's what it is. But God's righteous so that he wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. We'd all be shaving our head, wouldn't we? Right? And some of us wouldn't have to shave. We're just getting there slowly. But God chose a man. And for faith... He credited him as God. You're right with Godness. I make up phrases. You can use them if you want. They'll laugh at you too. You're right with meanness. And I will bless you. And through you, all the nations of the whole world will have the curse broken off them if they will have faith in me like you have faith in me. And there will be one that will come from your loins that will make it happen. And that's what happened to the Galatians who weren't raised in a Bible-believing synagogue. They were worshiping trees and stuff. And they heard about Jesus. And they didn't do anything right or wrong. They believed the gospel and God put the Spirit in them. And released miracles in their midst. And then someone came along and told them, No, the book of Leviticus says you, gotta, you can't wear two kinds of clothing. You've got to let your sideburns grow. And you've got to keep the feast days. And you've got to be circumcised. I always wanted to know, how did you have to prove that in the sin? Anyway. <laughs> hey, hold on a second. Before you sing a special, I've got to know. Are you circumcised? Yes. Well, I don't know if I can take your word for it. Let's go in the back room and see. Right? Well, how did they do that? Isn't that weird? You ever thought of that? Have you ever read the Bible? Did you ever take your brain to the Bible with you and go, hmm. I can tell you what Paul said about it. what would happen to those false teachers, but you have to look that up yourself. That's going to tell you. He said, I wish they'd just go ahead and just... Anyway. So he chose a man. Here's how... I had to bring some humor in it because we're talking about... Chose a man, and then God gave a law to reveal our sin. Why was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the one, the seed, would come. Right? So the law proved Satan's a liar. Because remember what he said? If you eat off this fruit, you will have a knowledge that will make you like God. You don't need God to be like God. You can just eat this fruit and he's holding back. He just wants to be God himself. He doesn't want you to. You can be God through knowledge. And God said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prove that's a lie. So I'm going to give you on this mountain the greatest revelation of morality that's ever been penned, or actually, by the finger of God in rock. And so, if you're taught the law appropriately, you'll come to a place like Paul in Romans 9 or 7 that goes, you know, I love God's word with all my heart, but I find inside of me, even, even me who wants to do this other principle at work. What is that other principle? It's the spell! It's the spell. Harmatia! All of us... And he says this. He doesn't just go, oops, I'm trying. I got some struggles. No. He says, what a wretched man 
I am. See, when the Holy Spirit presses you on the mat in the wrestling match where Jacob can no longer connive his way to get the blessings and God just wants one thing from him. He wants, what's your name? I'm a, I'm a deceiver. That's all I needed. Now you're a prince. You could have said uncle a long time ago, Jacob. That's the purpose of the law. So that when you hear the gospel... You have such a need for it. You're like a starving man that hasn't eaten in 40 days. You're like a man that hasn't had a drink of water for two weeks. Instead of going, what are you trying to say? That we're all sinners? Do you know who I am? Hey, I give money to the whatever. You know, I, 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 I coach a little league team. I listen to Caleb sometimes. We're all under a spell. But there is a better spell. We'll call it the God spell. And Jesus talks about how you get in the God spell. The God spell, the, the old English word for gospel back in the 1600s was God spell. Why? Because when people would receive the gospel... It was like they were living under a spell of holiness. It was like they were under the influence of a power. See, that's what the gospel is supposed to do. Paul said, I want to come to Rome. I, want, I would love to preach to Nero. And not just point out, I would love to tell him about the loving kindness of the Lord that could go back through his life and tell him why he ended up the way he is and why he's spiraling down. And with, with mercy melting on my face, I would be saying to Nero, Jesus loves you, man. Save yourself. He wants to break the curse off the whole empire, man. You bow your knee and he can do for you what he did for Nebuchadnezzar. That's what Paul would have done. He, would, he said, I'm, I'm not ashamed to come there and preach the gospel because it's the power of God to make a person right. It's the power. And in the center of that gospel is a cross on a hill. And the message of the cross is the power of God to salvation to whoever believes it. It's the God spell. And so Nicodemus is a teacher of Israel and he has everything but the author in his heart of the book. And he comes to Jesus at night because, dear God, if anybody saw him coming to talk to Jesus in the day, he would lose his place in the Sanhedrin. So he comes at night and he's trying to say, I'm missing whatever you are and whatever you have. But he doesn't commit that, to say that. He says, uh, I know you're somebody that's come from God because nobody could do what you're doing unless God. He goes, unless you are born again, you can't see it, buddy. You can't see it. He didn't say buddy. I did. You can't see it. And then he says this. He says, you want to know? He, he like says this. He's, he's like saying to him, you're under a spell. Even you with the law of Israel. You're, un, you're a teacher of Israel. You're under a spell. Here's how you get out of the spell. And he points him back to Old Testament, only Testament story. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man. Now, first of all, if you're not studying the Old Testament, you have no reference point to that. You need to study the Old Testament. 
and son of man. What does that mean? If you don't know Daniel, you don't know what that means. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. I thought the lamb was going to be the what, snake, serpent. What's going on? In Numbers 22, you know the book of Numbers where we do our devotions mostly? It's our go-to book, right? Raise your hand. The book of Numbers. I mean, you love Leviticus more, but <laughs> Numbers and you. You got like 10 passages memorized from Numbers. And I know you already know this, but Numbers 22, there's a story that says that the people began to grumble against God and against Moses. And so God, sorry, sent venomous snakes in the camp. And the people were bit by them and began to die. And Moses cried out to God to spare them. And God said, I will. So make a serpent image out of bronze and put it on a pole and hold it up because your deliverance will always come from outside yourself but put a serpent on the pole because I want people to see that the message of the cross isn't just about he loves you to help you through your oopsies this is this is offensive this is offensive. What he's saying is, I want you to see yourself. I want you to see your real image. And I want you to see that someday my son will take your curse on himself. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, I'm going to be lifted up. So whoever looks to me will be delivered from the venom of the curse. And if not, they will perish. Nobody talks about people perishing. And I've had to make a decision again. that I got to fly the plane right because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish which means you could perish but have eternal life he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world would be saved saved from what? saved from what? saved from what? Here's the condemnation. Lights come in the world. People love darkness more than light, so they push it off. Anyone who believes is not condemned because... But if people don't believe, they're already... They're already... Condemnation. You're under the curse. Nice. Republican. Trump. Some of you that like him are saying, say the other name, say the other side, say the other side. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't listen to him anymore. Last night, a little thing was popped up and I thought I'd check in with him and he dropped the F-bomb and 
And I heard a whole crowd of people, probably a lot of Bible-believing Georgians, start going, That's a spell, man. Just saying. It's a spell. Flesh is a spell. Oh, you thought I was going to talk about the guy diving in the pool and winning the race. Well, that's a spell too. And Jesus died for Trump. I don't know if any CNN pundits believe that. And Hillary. And you. And me. We're all been given, all of us. You know what? You know what our image really is? Is on that pole. In contrast to His holiness. Is anybody with me on this? My personality type has a need to be liked. You've got to amen me a little bit here. Gotta let, you know, come on. All right. Who said that? Give that man an extra sucker. Let me describe what happened to Jesus. Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men because that's what people under a curse think of God. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from because his light was too bright. He was despised and we didn't value him because that's what people under the curse do. Yet it was he who bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, smitten, struck down by God and afflicted. That's what we thought. He was getting the judgment of God. No, he was taking our judgment from God. He was pierced because of our rebellion, our asabion in the Greek New Test, Old Testament. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Iniquity doesn't mean oops. It's the word avon. It means deep perversion. He was crushed because of our deep perversion. The punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. The cross breaks the curse. The cross. We all, 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 if we find a sinner who sins better than us, we can always think we're better than them. But we all went astray. We all turned our own way. And the Lord has punished him for my avon. And yours. And if we will come humbly before the cross and admit that we believe God, and when we say we don't need that because we're good, we are saying, God, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. I don't need to examine at gut level my need for a righteousness that's not my own. I'm preaching the gospel to you, man. Today. Paul says in Ephesians, turn away from that, throw that stuff off. He wasn't the first one that said it because in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, this young, probably teenage guy when he began to prophesy, Ezekiel and Jeremiah probably weren't even 20 years old when they started preaching to kings. And Ezekiel says from God's Holy Spirit, repent and turn from your rebellious acts so that your sin will not become a stumbling block to you because when we stay in it, it begins the spiral of the curse. Throw it off. 
and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. And then God says, why will you die? I take no pleasure in anyone's death. God's heart is still filled with pain of people that don't know why. They don't know why. And they keep doing what they're doing. They don't know there's an answer. They don't know there's an exit. They don't know. And then there are churches being pressured by the, by the, by the world saying, don't preach that and don't tell me this. You're so mean. You hate me. And people want to be liked and we want to be accepted and we want people to say, LOH is cool. And don't you? I, I'm not against that. But listen, we have to tell people the truth. There are people in airplanes and they're flying right toward a rock and they're going to crash and the pilot is saying you're free to move around the cabin. Why did Peter say on the day of Pentecost, save yourself from this wicked and perverted generation? If you preach that on, the, on a net, you'll not be welcomed back. We have to say, we've been, we are still here. And none of us deserve anything. We know who can boast. Is there anyone here that deserves the grace and the blessing and the forgiveness and the 70 times 7 and the 7,000 times 7 and the 7 million times 7 that Jesus has been merciful to you? And I'm in front of you on that. I'm in front of all of you on that, in my view. And he calls us to himself. i got to close. <clears throat> he did all that so that the blessing that he promised Abraham could be on you and on your family, on your kids, and on their kids, and on their kids. And let me just say this. The reason why I'm preaching like a wild man with his hair on fire is because... I don't want my grandkids to grow up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm in a plane and I'm going to fire. I'm not firing at people. I'm firing at that snake. I'm firing at him. I'm going to fire. When God was ready to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, he came down. And he said, Abraham, I want you to go on a walk with me. He's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says to the two that are with him, and Abraham's walking, he says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he says this. He says, because I've chosen Abraham. Listen, dads. Listen, moms. I've chosen Abraham because I want him to teach his children the ways of the Lord. Lot, Abraham's nephew, he pitched his tent too close to Sodom. And things didn't go well for his wife. You know what? That happened to his wife because of him. And what happened to his daughters was because of him. He got saved by the skin of his teeth. But he had no business being that close to Sodom. But you know what? When he looked out over a place to live and leaving the man of faith, he saw Sodom as a place of fertile ground. Because that's how you think when you're in agreement with the serpent. 
I have counseled people who are having affairs and told me, this is nothing new lately, long time ago, in case you wondered. But it was God's will. You're listening to a serpent even though you play on the church softball team. Someone's got to tell you the truth. You know what usually happens? I'm never coming back here again. I should have said, oh, wait, wait. God has changed his mind. We need a right fielder. <laughs> you launch him, baby. We're in the playoffs, dude. Give it a little time. Let me go back and see if the Lord has anything else to say. That's funny, but we're not far from that kind of junk. I want you to like me on Judgment Day. I want some kid to say thanks for telling me the truth. I wonder if God looks out at some parents who are pitching their tent too close to Sodom and wish that some way he could get their kids from out of that house and with another group of parents. I'm looking right at you. I don't know, I don't mean you're, that's you. I'm just telling you. I'm in the plane. I don't want my grandkids growing up in Sodom and Gomorrah. I can't control that. But I have an insane conviction that I think by preaching this message, I can change the world. I said all that to say, wanted to prime you up for a need that you may have forgotten. You and I need to be at the foot of the cross because it's at the cross that all the spells of the serpent have no power in your life. It's at the cross where he breaks those things and puts you in a place where the fountain of his glory falls on you and your wife and your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. He said, Abraham, count the stars. I'll do for those believers that are numer like, uh, numbered like the stars. What I'm doing for you, I'll pour out blessing on you. I'll give you land. I'll give you wells you didn't dig. I'll give you houses you didn't build. I'll I want to bless you. I'm a blesser. I'm a blesser. I didn't bring the curse. I don't want little babies to die. I don't want marriages to break up. I don't want families to fall apart. I am the blesser. Let me bless your life. Let me bless your life, God says. Let me bless you. Let me restore what the locusts have eaten from you. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. Hallelujah. And on your church. I still believe, I still believe that the best days of the LOH have yet to come. That there's a tsunami of the glory of God right offshore. And God is saying to the degree of your repentance will be the degree of your revival. To the degree of your repentance at the cross will be the degree of my visitation on you and your sons and your daughters. May we be a people that says, God, 
When your eyes are searching to and fro through the earth to find a people that you can show yourself strong, you'll never have to look very far. Here on Moss Avenue, we are yours, Lord. Hallelujah. We are yours. Are you that person? Are you that are you sick of the serpent? Are you sick of the vultures? Are you sick and tired of the tyrant telling you he owns what belongs to you? Rebel against him instead of rebelling against the blesser. Rebel against the cursor instead of rebelling against the blesser. God says, I offer you life. Choose life. Stand would you stand? Heavenly Father, I pray today that you'd break the power of the curse off the wandering sons and the wandering daughters. Heavenly Father, I pray for believers who have forgotten who they are. I pray for men and women who are starting to pitch their tent towards Sodom, who have forgotten the chains of Egypt and are looking back. I pray today that you would arrest them and melt them again in the mercy and the revelation of the truth that goes past mind level and goes to gut level. I pray for every man, every woman of God who are, who, 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 who are wavering between two opinions to be arrested by the glorious message of your cross and break that spell that the enemy is trying to plant in the soil of their soul. Break it. Break it, friend. Break this thing off people today. Listen, the depth of your revival, friend, will be according to the depth of your repentance. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.